The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshals online at mosquitomarshals.com. Mosquito Marshals, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshals. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Colin Brister is back with me. Today's guest on the Modern Women phone line is Stephen Godfrey. Also coming up, guest on Talk of Champions, got Kel Baker, Ole Miss first baseman, Ben Ingram, play-by-play announcer for the Atlanta Braves. But Colin, what's up, man? How you doing? Man, I'm I'm doing good. Just just continuing to uh, to grind on MLB the show. I watched some South Korean baseball last night. Uh, just to just to feel something and you know just the regular quarantine life here you uh you still grinding on the show have you gotten into diamond dynasty yet or or no 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 okay i've kind of chilled out playing video games really yeah only because it makes me sad to play the show i didn't realize how much my mental health was reliant upon regular atlanta braves baseball games in the spring yeah yeah well, I mean, they, it's that way with me for Ole Miss because, and, and I know people are thinking I'm joking, but like, I, investing in Ole Miss baseball took away about 15 hours a week for me. Like, so now it's 15 hours a week that I have nothing else to do, really. So, uh, no, I'm completely with you there. You'll be surprised to learn where I have now thrown my energy. Golf. Crap, you guessed. 
I mean, I mean, in fairness to me, like there's, there's not a ton of things that you can do right now. So I figured, you know, it'd be either that or like, I don't know, swimming or something. I don't know. It's golf. And I've played now five days in a row. I even <laughs> bought a golf cart. Oh, wow. From somebody in Middleton, Tennessee. And you might wonder why buy a golf cart. I live across the street from a golf course. Uh huh. So what I do is I hop in my golf cart, ride across the street, jump on the course. I still live in New Albany. I haven't moved back to Oxford. I commute to Oxford when I have to work. So in New Albany, Oaks Country Club is right out close to Ingomar. I live out right out close to Ingomar and across the street is Oaks. So I jump in my $2,000 golf cart and right across the street. <laughs> I said the stimulus check went to work. Yeah, it wasn't the best purchase I've ever made. <laughs> what is the best purchase you've ever made? Oh, my PlayStation. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, much my wife's wedding ring. Yeah, uh, my PlayStation. <laughs> PlayStation. Yeah. yeah. Same. Second is that, and then I guess beds for my kids to sleep in. I don't know. Food for them to provide. <laughs> I'm a provider, I guess. But I bought a golf cart, Bluetooth. USB oh, wow. ports, cooler. I have drank more beer in the last five days than I have in the last three months combined. So, so do you practice social distancing on the uh, golf course? Is that oh, I play one? by myself. Oh, you play by yourself? Wow. Unless my friend Witt, who lives two doors down from me, wants to play, I mostly play by myself. And I've actually had a couple of friends out there that I've seen on the golf course say, hey, Ben, man, jump in with us. I'm, like, I'm good. <laughs> okay. As someone that's never gone to a golf course, do you play nine or 18? Oh, 18. Yeah. Okay. Play. It's how easy to play 18? eighteen when you're by yourself. How long does that take? Yeah. Depends. Are you playing well? Or are you playing pretty crappy? If you're playing well, yeah, three hours, three and a half, four hours. Wow. So that does kill some time. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's if you're taking your time and playing your round. I enjoy playing by myself, and I think a lot of Ole Miss fans that are listening to this podcast will feel the same way because a lot of you are golfers. Playing by yourself is one of the most relaxing things ever, and that's why I turned down my buddy who invited me yesterday or day before last to come play with them. I was like, look, man, I really appreciate it. I, I like riding by myself, playing by myself and just kind of chilling. Good to see you. Love you, buddy. I'm just going to kind of go on. I don't want to get in y'all's way. I don't want to screw up shots. If I screw up a shot, I'm by myself. I can get mad at myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I'm with someone, I feel pressure. I told you this story before, but it happened at the Cotton Bowl in the Media Olympics with Rick Cleveland and Ping Pong. I mean, that yeah. random dude in Wee Bowling could have won a TV in both championship rounds and choked. When somebody is watching me or if I feel any type of pressure on me, I cave. It's terrible. And I used to not be this way. I mean, I played sports in high school. I was fine. Yeah. But now, if I've got eyeballs staring at me when I'm about to hit a drive, I can just feel it on my back. It's like I'm wearing <laughs> these eyeballs on my back. It's terrible. It actually happened to <laughs> me on Sunday. So I'm on hole six, about to hit a drive. A couple of golf carts pull up on the other hole behind me. I think it was four. And I just could feel them staring at me. They weren't. They don't care. And, of course, I hit a nasty, awful, terrible drive. Jesus. Okay, uh, so, you know, we're, we're going to get into the crux of this podcast here in a minute. But I had a, friend, I had a discussion with some friends the other day in a hypothetical world. Um, would you rather – a million dollars is on the line. Would you, if you, and you had to pick one, would you rather hit, have to hit a Doug Nikhazy fastball, have to catch a uh, slant route on the Ole Miss defense, or score on the basketball team? Which one are you picking? Football. Football, not basketball. I could take a hit more than I could make a basketball shot or hit Doug Nikhazy's. Okay. Or any pitch from Doug Nikhazy. Nikhazy's is last, right? No, basketball is last. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm wow. not a you good basketball player. Okay. You don't think you can get fouled? The chances for success are not good. <laughs> so you're taking you're taking taking a lick and and holding oh, on to yeah. football. Well, mainly because I felt that before getting okay. hit hard in football. Okay, All I got right. absolutely leveled by Jay Kirkland. And Ole Miss <laughs> fans might remember Jay Kirkland, the name Jay Kirkland. He oh, didn't last I, at Ole Miss very long. I got one that lasted almost for a minute. I uh, I was on kickoff return team in high school, and I went, you know, you run back and you set the wall and you turn around and you find somebody to block. Oh, well, yeah. I found somebody, and it was Chief Brown, and he just ran smooth through my wall. Yeah. God. Sean Pearson, <laughs> Ole Miss running back, ran over our high school mascot. That oh, was, wow. Yeah. A nice 
girl at the time named Mary Beth Conway got absolutely plowed by Vashon Pearson. <laughs> it was quite hilarious. <laughs> was she okay? We watched that on, yeah, she was fine. She's a trooper. But we watched it on tape so many times. <laughs> We'd be in the film room just repeating this. And I love Mary Beth. She's one of the best people you ever meet. One of the nicest people ever. But she got absolutely tattooed by Vashon Pearson. My story with Jay Kirkland, who was an offensive lineman who chose Ole Miss over LSU and Alabama. He's from New Albany. Former offensive lineman. Had some stuff go wrong, whatever. He didn't finish in football, left Ole Miss. All this kind of stuff happened. I don't care about any of that. Let me tell you this story real quick. So I was a freshman in high school. And when you're a freshman in high school, just coming up from middle school, high school football can be very overwhelming. Yep. You want to make this impression on your coaches. You want to show yourself. Show something in practices that separates you from your other freshmen. So scout team, I'm going hard on defense. I didn't play defense. I was an offensive lineman. But on scout team, they had me at defensive end. And I was going hard. And when you're a starter on varsity, like Jay was as a junior, you don't want this little Johnny Hustle yeah. coming at you on scout team. You're just trying to get we the practice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember those days when I was an upperclassman, and then the scout team kid would try to just chill out, chill. Well, of <laughs> course, I'm trying to make an impression. And I got this Division One offensive lineman pulling, about to hit me. But he was like a big brother to me at the time, so he'd be like, Ben, you need to chill out. You need to chill out. I come across again. Hit him as hard as I can. He said, I tried to tell you. You didn't listen. So he goes and lines up. Next time he pulls down, I come up. Jay carries me and just buries me into the ground. I felt like a <laughs> Looney Tunes character, like Wiley Coyote running through the wall. I'm just buried. He helps me up. He says, stop. And I stopped. I stopped. I stopped. Because you learn when somebody that is a monster, like a monster like Jay was to me then, just stop. It's not going to happen. So if you're asking me to score over Hadim C, Hadim C could hack me and probably take my face off. But I know what it feels like to get hit really hard in football. Now, the problem with that is I don't want to get hit by Lakia Henry. Oof. No, I think we're we're we've got we got to get open too now. Like like getting open is not going to be as easy as you think. Oh, I'm not getting open. No. See, that's going to be a little – you got to counter that. I need somebody to be very accurate throwing the ball to me. <laughs> so and when I say accurate, to... I mean basically lay it in exactly where I have a slim chance of catching it one hand because I'm getting held in the back by, I don't know, Sam Williams. <laughs> I'm not getting by Sam Williams. Sam Williams at an Ole Miss camp ran a 4-3-8. I'm saying, man. Like, no, this is ridiculous. None of this would work. You don't think <laughs> – you don't think you could do one of them? No, and you couldn't tries. either. No, no. I could. I, no, given fifty tries, I could put an Akazi fastball in play. Well, given in 50, play, I mean, yeah. there's a good chance that you just screw up and make contact. A little dribbler yeah, that's, down that's, the line is in play. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, given fifty chances, it's the Akazi fastball. Yeah. Now, if I actually have to go up there and have an at bat, no, not happening. No. Basically, you're swinging at anything he throws. Hoping to make contact, and maybe you just that, line, like set up to bunt every time you get stuck in the case. That's, that's where you just sit there and you sit on curveball and pray. <laughs> just, I'm going to line up, get my base set, and I'm going to bunt over and over <laughs> and over until eventually one of them makes I guess that's the best way to go. Because then football, you're not getting open. In basketball, you're not scoring over Hadimsi. You're just not. I don't yeah. care anybody. It reminds me of Jay DeBramo. Here's a fun story. Jay DeBramo is a former Ole Miss sports information director, okay? He was a sports information director for women's basketball for Ole Miss at a time. And Jay DeBramo is that friend of your friend group that says, oh, man, I could throw the football over those mountains. Oh, you know, he's Uncle Rico. <laughs> he's that guy. Oh, I could catch a pass from Jevin Sneed. Oh, I could score. I could beat um, Patrick Spock one-on-one. -on -one. Okay, so finally... Kyle Campbell, Daniel Snow, and all the people that were in the Ole Miss Media Relations Department at the time said, you know what? Okay, you say you can do all these things. We're going to set it up. <laughs> so Jevin Sneed, throwing him a pass, one-on-one -on -one with Patrick Spock. I can't remember what the other thing was. But Jevin Sneed, God rest his soul, could throw the absolute crap out of a football. Yeah, yeah. And it was like if you're not used to it, catching a boulder coming super fast at your head. It's just that kind of impact. It was very hard, very tight spiral and all that. 
So they said Jay gets out there and he runs his little slant route. And they and Jevin, you know, being the nice kid, he's like, really? Do you want me to? They're like, you, you got to throw it as hard as possible. As hard as you can. And sure <laughs> enough, Jevin does it. And it hits off his hands like something kind of tumbles over a little bit. And then one-on-one with Patrick Spock. And if you don't know who Patrick Spock is, he was the 13th. No, he's a walk-on. He wasn't a roster guy. He was a walk-on to the Ole Miss basketball team. And Patrick Spock, redhead, fam like me, gets out there, game to 21, and absolutely tortures him. <laughs> 21 to nothing. So, see, you think to yourself, oh, I can do this, I can do that. I can. You can't. You can't. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I was fortunate enough to play with, like, some guys that played Division One sports when I was in college, and you just realized those people are on a different level. Man. Yeah, they're a different level. My You're buddy Kratz, like it drives me crazy. Kratz is now a pharmacist. You can go to his pharmacy in Myrtle. Magnolia Drugs. It's great. And Kratz is Mr. Humble. He's one of those guys, oh, no, I'm not that good. He knows he's good. It's infuriating. If I was this good at basketball, I would talk so much crap, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. And Kratz, in the Turner Center, it used to be the middle court was where the true ballers played. Uh-huh. There was one white guy back when we were in school that could regularly play and was invited to play in that middle court, on that middle court, and that was Kratz. <laughs> he was awesome. And back then, the Ole Miss basketball team wasn't particularly good. You remember those right. old late-year Rod Barnes teams? They yeah. were bad, really yeah. bad. Yeah. I was friends with Brian Smith in college. Great dude. Not a great college basketball player. <laughs> and Kratz would put him in a spin cycle. It was terrible. So so wait, could he play Division One basketball at Ole Miss then? No, well, I mean, if if the comparison is those <laughs> Rod Barnes rosters, that just yeah. meant that there weren't a lot of Division One, true Division One, good basketball players on those late years Rod Barnes teams. That's no. all it was. No, there were not. But I, Kratz, we kept begging him to play on our intramural team, and finally he did, and we got to the championship game. But it was all Kratz, and it made us realize how bad we are. And and Kratz was one of the lesser players on the middle court. He'll tell you that just because you got Clarence Sanders out there just bawling his brains out, or Kendrick Fox just yeah, yeah. terrorizing people from three. He was a good player, but with us, he was Michael Jordan in Space Jam. <laughs> I was Bill Murray. So you say these things like, "Oh, I could do that. I can fifty tries." No, you probably couldn't. You no, couldn't. I could put it in a Casey basketball and play in fifty try. There, there is no doubt in my mind. See, now all I want to do is set it up. Actually, no, I, I, actually, I, I, here's something for you. Before uh, the COVID-19 crackdown came about and almost baseball was in full go, whatever, I'd actually mentioned to Gunnar Hoagland how I wanted to come out there with a video camera and take 50 hacks against his slider. Yeah, I think I think you would put one in play eventually. I just think at some point. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think you're going to get the bat to the baseball. I appreciate your confidence, your optimism. (laughs) There's no way. There's no way. Stephen Godfrey coming up in just a little bit. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. So other than that, in the sports world, what has most piqued your interest? Well, yesterday, I don't know. First of all, let me preface it with this. For whatever reason, there feels to be a little bit more optimism regarding the future of sports during this pandemic. Um, and yesterday it comes out that Hunter Juracek, the athletic director at Arkansas, they fully intend to have their students and their, and their football players back on campus in the middle of July, have six weeks of practice and to be able to start on opening day, um, and to play a regularly scheduled season with fans, uh, you know, but maybe holding off on some fans at first and then incorporating them back in. But that's for the first time I saw a power five program say, yeah, we anticipate this going off as scheduled. I, I kind of feel like um, everyone's kind of been cautious and, and, you know, guarded. And for the first time, it kind of feels like there's a real chance that everything kind of does go off without a hitch. I just don't buy it. You don't buy it? No. No. And I'm not trying to be fatalistic or anything. I do think that we're going to have college football. I do too. I think that there's a very, very slight chance that we have it without fans, but I don't think that's tenable for anybody. So. That's why I say very slight chance. Regardless, the bottom line, there's going to be college football. There's going to be. There's too much at stake, too much money. They're going to have college football. The question is how are you going to have college football? And that's what I talk about with Stephen Godfrey in just a minute. But I don't buy that 
July, August, all these single-day records that they're setting for new cases for COVID-19, many different states, is all of a sudden just going to disappear beautifully with the weather, and they're going to be able to flip a switch, and kids come back to campus, student-athletes come back to campus, teachers, professors, and then all the fans come time for the season opener can just flood 60,000 people into a stadium. I don't know if we're ever going to get back to that for at least a three-year period. Just truly having thousands upon thousands of people packed into a stadium. That's the biggest problem. I got some heat for this, but I asked, and it was a legit question. I thought, is it the best idea we ever had to cram 75,000 people in a stadium? You were fully aware of how vulnerable you were when you walked into, I think after 9-11 especially, walked into a stadium or when the shooting happened at the movie theater in Colorado or whatever it was. And it's it's not just – yeah, it's not just this virus. It's have we thought about how cramming 65, 70,000 people into one area, one tight area is probably not good for security um, and, and other things of that nature. And I don't know. I, I just kind of looking back, I'm not criticizing. I'm just kind of wondering, is that the best idea we've ever had? And I don't, I don't think, think that really matters as it pertains to this conversation because there's going to be fans. Here's the funny thing, though. FIU, schools like that, North Texas, they don't yeah. really have to worry about this problem. They can social distance their people. Yeah, because they're they don't nobody comes. Hell, Ole Miss could have social distanced the past two years. Yeah, they really could have. <laughs> this year, <laughs> not so much. But I wonder if you're an Ole Miss and you have capacity of what sixty one thousand. Right. Yeah. If you don't say yes, we're going to have fans, but it's going to be thirty five thousand fans, and then you mm-hmm. have designated areas. Yeah. You spend and- a month in July, August effectively roping off your entire stadium. I wonder... And then sitting people in pockets. No more than two or three at a particular spot. I wonder how many season tickets they've sold right now and if they're still selling season tickets. Oh, they're selling season tickets. So you're looking at, you know, in that scenario, probably having to refund some. That's why that'll never happen. I think, ideally, these colleges would love to get the season started. Basically stick their fingers in their ears, say, oh, it's getting better, it's getting better, it's getting better. Everything is normal, and then inevitably, when this comes back in a second wave late in the fall, just accept it for what it is. And then you could say, okay, we're playing our championship in an empty stadium. Because it doesn't matter if you play the national championship in an empty stadium. It doesn't. Because no, the numbers true. for television are going to be through the roof. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I mean, if you have to, I don't know where the national championship is this year, but if the Superdome's empty, then it's okay. Um if Vault Hemingway is empty, that's a different story, right? So, yeah, I'm completely with you there. That's a good point. Ole Miss's problem is that it's gone through this multi-year process with the NCAA that's zapped all of its funds, even the emergency fund. Yep. So even at, in times when it usually wouldn't be so reliant upon making so much money from the gate, well, now they can't give up that gate money. No, no. Um, and you know, a lot of people have, and I don't think this is realistic, but a lot of people are talking about, well, just, you know, maybe they can play it in January. I don't think if you play football in January and, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't think you can play football in January and then play college baseball in January and February and college basketball. I think for them to be able to play those two sports, there has to be football before it from a financial competency standpoint. I I don't think Ole Miss can afford to do that. I don't think so either. I just don't. And neither does Stephen Godfrey. He says straight up when I talk to him, so spoiler alert, if you don't want to hear it, but spoiler alert, Stephen Godfrey says straight up, they're not going to play football in March. Not going okay. to. I don't think so I either. think really, this is all great. It all sounds great. It does. But really, the most realistic thing that you, you should grasp onto, you should hold on to it, is an abbreviated schedule of some kind. Okay. Here, I was talking to someone about this the other day, too, and there seems to be a belief that playing games indoors is is a bigger hindrance than, you know, playing outdoors. Any chance that thing gets moved to Baylor if they do start on time? But that doesn't make any sense to me. Where is the science that proves that if you go out in warm weather, that this virus is less contagious? 
I just, I, I mean, I kind of just feel like that that would be the case. That it, <laughs> well, of course, we all feel that way. I mean, just, we don't know, you know anything that, about. We're just learning about this. Sure, but I, I mean, I think just from a theoretical standpoint, it's it's well, theoretically, pretty- a lot of things make sense until you look at the science of it. So I don't want to get into anything theoretical. My whole deal is this: if you want to play college football, and I, I got to have college football, my entire livelihood is based on Ole Miss football being played. So nobody wants college football more than me. I just want us to be talking in ways that make sense as far as the path forward. I think talking in absolutes, because it's easy to hear an AD from Arkansas or Auburn or anywhere say, yes, we're going to start back in the fall, July, August. This is the plan. Of course, they're operating that way. But no one can speak in absolutes on May 5th. You don't know what this is going to be next month, let alone in July and August. So to be saying that, sure, that can be what you're thinking about doing. That's what you're operating under. But as we've been seen with this ever since February, March, those plans change really quickly. The SEC fully planned to play the SEC basketball tournament, and then in two days it was gone. So let's not pretend like these absolutes or these plans in any way are indicators of what college football is going to do yet because no one knows. Yes, you make your plans and you make your plan B's and C's. But other than that, no one can speak in absolutes because you don't know. Well, sure. I mean, I think that I think speaking in absolutes in three months or four months is silly. And, and to your checks point, he didn't say we are absolutely going to do this. It was more of that we think this is going to be how it works. Um, I do think, though, at some point there's going to be college football so I do think a, a discussion about what it's going to look like is, is one that's worthy. Yeah, and that's what I talk about with Stephen Godfrey. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Talk of Champions is also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, and a food of 247 Sports. Actually, before we sat down to record this podcast, I was working on a content item, the four biggest what-if recruits in Ole Miss history. Can you Ooh. guess two of them? Yeah, Cam Akers, uh, nope. Peyton Manning. What? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No on Cam Akers? Peyton Manning has to be one. Right? Oh, yeah, he's number one. Yeah. Uh... How is Cam Akers not in there, Ben? You'll have to read on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com in a field of 247 Sports. Going to go down to the Modern Woodman phone line to talk to Stephen Godfrey, National College Football Writer for SB Nation, good friend of the program. Remember the flagship. This is Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman Phone Line is Stephen Godfrey, SP Nation college football writer national college football writer hey buddy how you doing i'm good man how are you i'm good you holding up okay in social distancing and self-quarantine and all that stuff yeah i, I enjoy social distancing 
It's yeah. my personality to a T. Absolutely. Yeah, it really does. It really works for you. The NCAA makes its ruling. What'd you think of that? Um, you know, it's funny the way that it's phrased out right now. I think that they, they committed to a lot publicly. I think they're going to be able to walk some of it back as they go through the process. And, 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 you know, if you're at all interested in all that, please understand this is the beginning of a very long stage of, of events because they still have to clean up all of the issues that they're going to have in the different, there's a dog, uh, the different state legislatures, you know, like California still has a plan for their student athletes, North Carolina, there's a bunch of states. So it's not as simple as flipping a switch. I thought it was interesting that they put all the emphasis on the schools themselves to kind of like regulate and do all this stuff. Schools aren't ready to do that. Like, you know, even the really big schools with a lot of money, you know, everybody's struggling right now. So I, I think the legislation and the enforcement part of this is just going to be a huge mess like it always is with the NCAA. Lane Kiffin comes out after the ruling is made and says that the NCAA has opened up a can of worms. He completely supports more freedom for the players and being able to profit off their likeness. Yeah. But he didn't understand how you manage it, how you regulate it, how you have oversight over it. Do you kind of buy that argument? No, because I mean that's what the coaches are concerned about right now. Um, I think Kiffin and the rest of the coaches in the SEC, by and large, kind of feel the same way, which is that's great. I don't want to have to really worry about it. And we don't want to have to layer in another set of concerns into recruiting and eligibility and compliance and all that stuff. That's what I, you know, that's what I say when I mean like the NCAA hasn't really, they didn't do anything. They just said, yeah, sure. Schools, it's up to you. And this whole idea that there's somehow not going to be boosters involved, that just seems absolutely insane. I don't, I mean, the whole thing kind of strikes me as like they're being made to do this because public sentiment has grown to such a ridiculous level against the NCAA, but they have no idea how they're really going to do that. The idea that an AJ Brown at Ole Miss could stand up there and do a commercial for a car dealership and not mention Ole Miss. It's just, it's bizarre. It's a half measure and half measures never work. Well, I think it's going to be really weird when likenesses get involved and mixed in because, like, if he's selling a T-shirt, for instance, can can the T-shirt be red and blue? You know, if you're at LSU and you're you're an athlete, you put on a purple T-shirt, well, it's pretty obvious what that's in you know connotation towards. So, I think it hasn't been thought out at all, um, and I and I know that people are going to try and game the system and use this as an advantage in recruiting. Big shock. Oh, if nothing else, the NCAA has made it easier for boosters to get involved in the recruitment process of prospects. Absolutely. I mean, the reality is the only businesses that are truly going to be interested in this kind of work of endorsement are businesses with ties to universities specifically, run by boosters who care about these athletes when they're 17 years old. I mean, again, you know, of all the dumb things that were said, the the part where they they are convinced somehow that they're going to keep boosters out of this. That's the most naive thing I heard. Yeah, that's not going to happen. When are we going to get back an no. NCAA football game? Um, I think what, what, what the NCAA game needs that, that does not exist right now is you need the equivalent to a player's union. Does that make sense? Like, you can't go to every single student athlete in that game what is that 120 some odd names on a roster yeah for 120 some odd teams like you can't do that it would take forever it's not going to work okay so they've got to have some kind of centralized body that takes care of this stuff for the student athletes and create some sort of like baseline incentive i don't know what it is but what you're talking about is organized labor this is the same as when when the madden games come out they work with two specific licenses that's the NFL and the NFL Players Association. Well, there is no such thing as a college players association, at least not in that regard. So I think they're going to have to do something like that in order to, to get this thing done. Because, look, EA Sports has made – I mean, they've been pretty public about the way they've kind of communicated to hardcore fans. Like, we want to do this too. I think they, they want to they, they have a game out as soon as 21 
I, I, I think it would be possible to put a game out on the next generation video game systems for 21 if they were able to secure licenses. The problem is there's just no one on the, on the college player end that can do all that organizing. It doesn't exist. Do we ever get a video game like in the next 10 years, 20 years, to where you and I can actually enjoy it? Yeah, I think, I think 10 years, but I, I, think, I think it's more than one and less than 10. That, that's still a pretty big gap. That's the problem. Um, I just think right now the video game is so unique because it's not a player, right? It's not, it's not the one or two players on every Power 5 team that might have some marketable value. It's every single player. That's the problem. That was the whole issue this entire time was that they were charging $59. And you could go in there and your facial likeness and your name and your number and everything else and your hometown, all that stuff was in there. Technically, it was kind of hidden in there, you know, to, to skirt the issue, but it was there. So they've got to figure out a way to, to, to compensate these people. And I think EA wants to do that. I really do. By the way, though, if you're like the right tackle, the back of right tackle at like, you know, Bowling Green, it's not like you're going to see thousands of dollars from this. You're, you're like, you're probably not going to see much at all, but whatever you get in some sort of comp residuals, like that's still better than nothing. Yeah. It's not like the lowest paid dude in uh, the NFL is getting a bunch of bank off of Madden. He's not Patrick Mahomes, no. who's the cover athlete. Exactly, exactly. But there is something legally that protects them, and that's what they need. They need something. They need an organized body to go out there and negotiate on everyone's behalf. So the one-time uh, transfer blanket waiver is kind of up in the air. I heard that football coaches are the ones that are really pushing back against this. And it makes sense. Effectively, if you allow everyone to have a one-year blanket waiver, well, football coaches haven't had their players since March. And then if suddenly they get them back in June, July, then, then they can just leave if they need to or want to. That could create a circus-like free agent atmosphere. I get that. Do you expect it more or less to fail yeah. now? Like, what happens? No. I think I think you're going to I think it's going to push through eventually. It might fail this time, but eventually that thing's going to happen, man, flat out. I think what people have to come to terms with is the fact that the players have to be afforded some sort of agency over their careers. The same way that a football coach like Mel Tucker can up and leave, you know, days after assuring people at Colorado that he was there for the long haul. He'd been there one season. He recruited those players, hired those assistant coaches. You know, there's four coaches he didn't take with him that are still at Colorado. You know, coaches have the utmost agency in their careers and what they do to not afford players a small version of that seems absolutely insane to me uh and, and i think yeah I, I think my disbelief is matched by most people in the industry um let's say you're a successful program you're worried about this i think what people should really take a look at is that most transfers don't succeed in their second spot right, right. they don't have some sort of all world level moment the place you see the exception is quarterback. Okay. And that real, that market already exists. I mean, just look at Ole Miss, right? Look at, um, you know, look at any of the SEC schools, but let's just use Ole Miss as an example, how much of the success that they've had, you know, entire runs and regimes in Ole Miss based off of transfer quarterbacks. That's been around for a long time. You know, I, I think what people are paranoid about is line depth and upperclassmen and, you know, to be honest, I can't really foresee a situation in which, you know, three of your five starting offensive linemen who are rising sophomores or juniors are going to all suddenly walk out of your program unless a new coaching staff comes up. And I think that's where it gets interesting because what we're secretly signaling to these people is, you know, these players, you don't have the rights that the coaches do. And you have to, hard, you hard and fast have to commit to a four-year obligation. The coaches do not. That's the difference. Have you heard anything on JT Daniels? I have not. Um, it's funny how smaller narrative like that kind of faded away. Yeah. Because most of the people I talk to are talking about NIL this week, and then before that, it's just when are they going to get to practice? When are they going to get to meet? When are they going to get guys on campus? So um, you would probably be able to tell me more about JT Daniel rumors. Yeah. Is this in regard to Ole Miss because there's a USC <laughs> connection? Yeah. Um, 
it here's the make question. Sense here's the question. Some, There's a debate. I mean, the, the quarterbacks on the yeah. Okay, the, aren't the quarterbacks on the roster better? That was my question. Matt Corral, John Rice Plumley. If Stephen Godfrey was looking at this, yeah. yeah, Lane Kiffin, is it worth the take? Do you take a guy like that? Well, I think it's a Jeff Levy question, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think that honestly, the mobility factor is what. Like, I didn't watch a lot of Ole Miss last year or much, but. They were dynamic when they could run. That's not really a novel concept, but I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a, it's a dire straight situation. They need to go land a USC guy because he probably would have lost that job before he got hurt. Is what I've coaches I talked to in the Pac-12 thought. You know, he was good. He probably wasn't the best man on the roster, and that had he not gone down when he did, eventually he would have been usurped. So. I, no, I, I mean, I think I think you go with Plumlee, don't you? See, I don't know. All I know is the history of Lane Kiffin developing quarterbacks, and you can pretty much give him anybody that's got one really good thing they do well, and he'll make it work. I'm, I'm not saying he wouldn't be successful. I'm just saying it's not a situation like other first-year coaches are encountering where it's like, oh, I need to get a guy who fits what I do. Yeah. Yeah. This is not just as a comp for people in the state. This is not a Joe Moorhead, Thomas Stevens situation. You know, I think Kiffin is going to be uh, flexible and successful with a variety of different talent. And yeah, I, I do think there's one, maybe two better quarterbacks on the roster. USC has a stigma. I think that like there's a there's a bias that a USC quarterback is going to be particularly more successful or better or something like that but you know Ole Miss is not a it's not a bad roster I do all the coach backups for the Athlon preview yeah and you know of all the starting situations for first year staff you know everyone's kind of hamstrung by COVID but like Ole Miss is not in that bad of a situation because the issue was not really roster talent you know that you know it wasn't really a roster talent issue relative to like playmakers and, you know, skill position guys, it was that they can never really put it all together. I think that's fair. There's certainly not depth at Ole Miss that you need to win consistently, but I think there was certainly enough to where you should have won six probably. I don't think that's too tall of an ask. I mean, there's really simple – there's a really simple view of Ole Miss right now. Um, nobody's going to debate that Lane Kiffin is an upgrade, um, but, you know – when you look at the amount of under, I mean, what most coaches are talking about relative to Ole Miss was if Memphis wasn't on the schedule last year and Ole Miss was able to play and beat a lesser group of five team and not the group of five representative to the college football playoff, you know, um, they, they might still be there, you know, or, or obviously the Egg Bowl incident if they hang on and win that or whatever. Um, it was really close in that loop. Now, again, everyone agrees, Lane Kiffin, more experienced, you know, stronger recruiting footprint, probably, I would say, a more consistent, more uh, uh, intelligent offensive mind. Um, but by and large, like, the perception of Ole Miss was it's going to be a slow crawl back from the crater, but it was, they were crawling in the right direction. So when do we get college football back? Um. As we are recording this, I think the NFL is due to do to drop their their preseason schedule this either today or tomorrow. Um, the reason why I think that's impactful and important is we'll see if there's any deviation on that August date for preseason football games. You know, maybe is it preseason with no fans? That's going to kind of set off the first tremor, positive or negative. Um, a lot of schools have committed to having you know, quote unquote, traditional fall semesters with, you know, open class you know, kids on campus, all that. I think in the SEC alone, I know Georgia and LSU have said that. I think that, um, I think that if there's an abbreviation of the schedule of the season, I don't like all, all these people talking about, they're going to play football in March. Like, no, they're not. That's not a possibility for a lot of different reasons that I don't have enough time to go into. Uh, so I, what I'm expecting is I'm expecting now a football season that looks 85% like it, like it normally would. Now, maybe the abbreviation is a lack of group of five games or, uh, or sorry, just, just non-conference, like your, your homecoming games basically. Right. Um, maybe it's a, uh, you know, 
I, I still think there's a possibility, Ben, that they do, do conference-only seasons in their 10 games, right? I think that's possible. Um, but I do think there will be college football this year, and I do think in most states players will be able to get to campus probably, let's say, right around the 4th of July. What about fans? I don't know. I think that's the bigger question. And the problem – well, not a problem, but the big difference is that um, – you know, unlike pro athletes, you, you can't really justify the optics of saying it's not safe for it's not safe for patrons, but it's safe for athletes. You can't really do that when, when your labor force is unpaid. How long can you last without the gate if you're a school? Different schools are going to be dramatically different in that regard, but not a full season for anybody. It would be it would be impactful at the highest levels. You know, Alabama, Michigan, programs like that. Good to hear from you, buddy. Yeah, buddy. I'm going to go back to uh, running at uh, a very terrible, uh, unaccredited homeschool. Wish me luck. Yeah, same here, buddy. Let's stay in touch, all right? All right, sir. Thank you. That was Stephen Godfrey on the Modern Women phone line. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Colin Brister at Colin Brister. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. You can also check out Talk of Champions in SoundCloud, Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Let me tell you quickly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. As we all deal with the fallout from the coronavirus pandemic, one thing we're all trying to do, make sure our dollar goes further than it ever has before. Well, good thing for you, if you're in the market for a new car, truck, or Jeep, Alan Samuels, they were already looking out for you financially to meet each and every one of your needs, whatever those needs may be. They'll work with you to ensure you get the car you want at a price point you can afford. All you've got to do is go visit Brian, Mason, and the crew and let them take care of you through the easiest, most seamless car buying process around. How can they best serve you? To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. As communities across the world deal with the coronavirus pandemic, it has never been more important to have a pharmacy you can trust. And the only pharmacy for you in Oxford is Cheney's Pharmacy. Not only is Cheney's Pharmacy filled with supporters of Ole Miss Athletics, but more than that, Cheney's, a fixture in this Oxford community, offers you anything and everything you'll need in your pharmacy. From prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time, Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy, and that's important. Locally owned that has been in Oxford over 40 years, and they provide the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. Or you can visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at ChinesePharmacy.com. Right now, each and every one of us have our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. All right, Colin, I didn't want to bring it up. I feel bad for the kid at this point. I really do. But Shea Patterson signs with the Kansas City Chiefs. Who else signed with the Kansas City Chiefs this offseason? Uh, Chris Jones. Jordan Tiamu. <laughs> yeah, him too. But before we get to that, that strange, funny, comically amazing development, there was one player out of 337 who were invited to the NFL Combine according to Thor Nystrom. And the only one that didn't get signed until he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs as an undrafted free agent, Shea Patterson. Former five-star quarterback, the number one dual threat in the class of whatever, I can't remember, signed with Ole Miss. You all know the story by now, transferred to Michigan. Of course, my response immediately. I was on the golf course. We started this talking about the golf course, and I saw it, and immediately, oh, no. Jordan Tiamu is going to do it to him again. (laughs) And if you read anything from Michigan people when he signed with the Chiefs and people started Uh making this joke, because I realized I wasn't the only one that made the joke. Barrett made a similar joke. Bunky made a similar joke. It was right there. But Michigan people swear up and down that Shea only left because he got hurt and all the NCAA mess and whatever, Ole Miss, you're the big bully and the enemy. 
Shay, he was just a victim of bad circumstances <laughs> and whatever. Here's the cold, hard truth. Jordan Tiamu 100% beat that kid out. And yep. here's the problem. Hugh Freeze was gone. He was gone. And Hugh Freeze had told us off the record before Shay came in for an interview one time how he viewed Shay as basically the son he never had. <laughs> he said these words. He's like my son. So y'all treat him okay? Blah, blah. Okay, whatever. Shay was a good kid. Really was. His dad, terrible. His older brother, terrible. But Shay was a good kid. However, he has been used as a pawn for his family since he was in eighth grade. He's transferred from so many different places, high school to college, into the pros now. He signed with the Chiefs. If he could, he'd probably transfer from there after a week. So he had lost his job, or at least he didn't have the claim on it to where the old adage of you don't lose your starting position due to injury. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't going to apply to Shea. He was going to have to go into the spring and compete with Jordan Tiamu at the very least. And Jordan Tiamu showed when he had his short run with Ole Miss at quarterback that he was more effective for that offense with Phil Longo. He just was. Yep. Everybody saw it. So you had Sean Patterson, his dad, his crazy, crazy dad, effectively as are the transfer rumors are swirling about in regards to Shea Patterson, march into Matt Luke's office and say, I need you to effectively guarantee me that Shea is going to be the starter or he's going to leave. And Matt couldn't guarantee him that. Not to say that that was the reason why Shea was going to leave. He was going to leave anyway. Exactly. And you had him meeting with John Harbaugh at IHOP or whatever. But the <laughs> idea that he only lost his job because of injury, no, no, no. Yes, Originally, that's why, of course, Jordan played, because Shea went down to a season-ending injury. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. But once it did happen and Jordan performed, Shea and Jordan are going into the spring and going to have to compete. Meanwhile, you know Harbaugh's coming in, flying into IHOP, and taking him out to eat and saying, you're my starter from day one, even when he didn't perform in particular games and he should have been replaced and he wouldn't replace him because he was hand-picked to be Harbaugh's quarterback, the one that was going to get them over the hump, beat Ohio State. None of it happened. And then he goes undrafted. And then he doesn't sign an undrafted free agent deal, despite being the only person from the NFL Combine invitees not to sign. And he finally signs with the Kansas City Chiefs. And where does he end up? Behind Jordan Tiamu again. <laughs> so here's my question. Michigan fan, whoever, listening to this right now, if Jordan Tiamu makes the practice squad or if he ends up being the backup to Patrick Mahomes over Shea Patterson, then what is your excuse? What is the excuse then? What can you say? What can we definitively claim about Jordan Tiamu? That he is a better quarterback than Shea Patterson. The kid that was a two-star prospect, had no major offers out of high school outside of, I think, Hawaii looked at him a little bit. And then when he was getting recruited out of that New Mexico JUCO, it was Ole Miss in Minnesota. And he came to Ole Miss. And he performed. And then he went to the XFL, and he performed. And then he gets signed by the Kansas City Chiefs to effectively, if he does play the way we all think Jordan can, be the potential backup to Patrick Mahomes. Neither one of these dudes are starting. But my question is, what is the excuse going to be if he does it again? And this is not an indictment on Shea, because Shea, I promise you, is a good kid. However, he has been manipulated time and time again by his family, and that sucks. Let me let me say this. Uh, I think that Tamu uh, will obviously make you know practice squad backup, whatever, and, and Shea won't. And I think you know I think obviously Tamu is a better quarterback. I also think Sean Patterson being an absolute nut job uh, is going to hurt Shea in this thing. So I think that was part of the reason that it took him forever to get signed too. I have no idea if family politics play into anybody getting signed. But Sean has had his fingers on everything Shea Patterson since that was kid was in eighth grade. So far be it for me to all of a sudden believe that Sean Patterson is not going to be in any way actively involved with this son when he's been pimping him out since eighth grade now that he's signed with the Chiefs. This is what he wanted. But this yeah. is what sucks about it. When he signed with Ole Miss, the whole pitch was from Freeze. You are the program. You're going to be here for three years. You're going to be you know, highlighted and put in front of everybody for three years. You're going to be a first-round NFL draft pick, the number one quarterback off the board. I'm the guy to, to develop you and all this kind of stuff. 
And that just fed into the ego of Sean, because he'd always viewed him as the chosen one. His other kids hadn't had the talent at quarterback. No, Shea, he was the one. He was the one. And everybody that saw him in high school saw the talent. It was nuts. And you saw it at times at Ole Miss, the arm mm-hmm. talent. But it just never translated to consistent production. It never did. When you watched him throw the ball, the wide receivers he'd miss or the reads he'd make were getting stuck on his first or second read. It happened all the time. And it never got better. So you kept wondering, okay, you see him in seven-on-sevens, just destroying people. And that huge arm just dumping perfect passes, it never translated to the field. And I can't be convinced that at least a little bit, a lot of the off-the-field stuff that happened with him and his dad and all that pressure didn't kind of cave in on him a little bit. Because he try to be the very stoic, stand-up dude that says none of this stuff bothers me, but it still obviously bothered him in some way. And here's the thing. Ole Miss fans wouldn't be petty about it. I promise you. If when he was leaving, he didn't try to recruit other players to come with him. If that doesn't happen, there isn't any of this petty nonsense. But he did, and that's why Ole Miss fans are like this. He tried yeah. to take Javon Patterson, Greg Little, Van Jefferson, Deontay Anderson. He tried to recruit all of these players to go with him. Guess how many went with him? Zero. Zero. Despite that ugly, ugly optic of the picture of Shea and Van and Deontay all at that Michigan basketball game. The NCAA had created this atmosphere to where effectively Ole Miss's roster, man, it was – it was come first come, first serve, man. Any coach wants to come in here and pick apart this roster, welcome to it. Come on into Oxford. Planes arriving at the Oxford airport. John Harbaugh at IHOP. He created this shade, this circus, or his family did, this circus atmosphere. And say what you want about Matt Luke, at least he had the ability to look Sean Patterson's dumbass in the face and say, no, he is not my guaranteed starting quarterback. I wonder if some of that was Matt just didn't want to deal with Sean Patterson anymore. No, I, I doubt Matt was like that. That's just not how Matt is. Okay. I think uh, he was just being straight up. I can't I promise you that. Now, I've heard other conflicting reports that Matt said, oh, of course Shea's my quarterback. I don't believe that. I don't no, believe I don't. That. I, I, that just doesn't track with what we know of Matt Luke. And say what you want about Matt Luke, but that does not track with what we know about Matt Luke. So <laughs> that's the whole deal. It's hilarious. It's going to suck for the kid. I hope he actually sticks in the NFL. I do. I do. I think he's got some real talent. I don't think he's good enough to be an NFL player. No, no. He's never shown that next-level ability. When has he taken that step? What can you point to in his college career, which was mired by what he's supposed to be, where he took that step? The best game of his college career was his first game of his college career. Yes, it was. Yes. And somebody brought that up to me. Because I wrote a column after that game. I swear to God, I thought, this is a watershed moment for Ole Miss. This is it. Shea Patterson has taken over. I gave as a Christmas gift to my dad, who's a huge Ole Miss guy, and my brother Daniel, who's a huge Ole Miss guy, and somebody else. A, a copy of the Oxford Eagle, which it was called like Shea Nanigans or something. Yeah. It was a great headline. I had him sign them, and I framed them. It was a dope present. Now, I couldn't give them away. <laughs> You'd have to pay somebody to take them. But I thought that was a watershed moment. I wrote a column after I said, this is a watershed moment for Ole Miss football. You were there to see the rise of Shea Patterson. Little did I know what was coming. Yeah, they went to Vanderbilt the next week. Oh, he was horrible. <laughs> he, went, horrible. He, went, he played state. So it brings up an interesting question. Did Hugh Freeze do a disservice to that kid throwing him in there when Chad got hurt? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, because here's my thing. I I think, I don't think, uh, Shea Patterson planned on ever being in college four years and he was there four years anyways. So uh, no, I, I don't think there was a huge disservice done. So what you're asking is, does, you know, him getting to be able to play college football next year, help him from a draft perspective? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think the kid's good enough. He never had that moment ever where he took that step. It's always been what Shea is going to be, not what he actually is. Right. Because what he actually is is a nothing prospect. And that sucks for a kid that had everything in front of him, but his family just couldn't get out of the way. And I'll say this too. I know this because I got it well-sourced. As well-sourced as possible, let's put it that way. All this stuff is going down. 
and their transfer rumors just swirling around Shea Patterson. And some Ole Miss representatives, official, not unofficial, some people in the building went to visit Shea to kind of gauge where his head was. And that kid sat there, and he wanted to stay at Ole Miss, and he's sobbing, crying. He's like, I don't want to go anywhere. This is where I want to be. And then a day later, it was a complete reversal. It's not because the kid is fake. It's because his family had their claws in so hard on him. (laughs) They controlled that kid, and it just sucks for the kid. But Jordan Tiamu's going to do it to him again. It's going to happen. He's a better quarterback. Yep. What he does well fits better for the Kansas City Chiefs than Shea. I would love to be in the room because there's no way they knew this or even saw this or no, paid no. attention to this when Jordan signed a couple of months ago or whatever. I would love to be in the room because they had this – oh, it's terrible. Is this picture of Shea and some dude, and they're in like a living room, and there's the cake of the Kansas City Chiefs. It's like <laughs> celebrating a birthday party for your five-year-old brother or sister who loves the Kansas City Chiefs. It's one of those like little dinky cakes. And they're in this living room, and they're celebrating that Shea has made it to the NFL. It's just so sad. It's so sad. Uh, but I would love to have been in the room so Shea gets his slice of this dinky little Kansas City Chiefs cake. And he goes and sits down. And older brother Sean, who just sucked, is reading, oh, man, look at this roster. Oh, Patrick Mah- Oh. Uh, Shea? Uh, Got a problem. Uh, I, I hate to break it to you. Poor kid, man. I hope it works out for him. I really do. It's not going to, but I hope it does. I hope it does. Well, I, I, I hope you may hope it does, but not at Tamu's expense. No, no, God, no, no. <laughs> uh, so. no. Here's the thing, too. If you look at the numbers, Jordan Tiamu is one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in Ole Miss history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, people can, and I don't agree with it, but people have the, was Chad Kelly better than Eli debate um, because of the numbers he put up and they're absurd. Eli's the best quarterback ever. Yep. Chad's number two. Yep. Archie's number three. Mm-hmm. Bo's number four. Mm-hmm. I don't know who number five is. Roe, maybe. I mean, I could argue Tomu, but he didn't play long enough. No, he didn't play long enough. But he's in the top ten, and that's saying yeah. something. Yeah, a kid from a nothing JUCO. I mean, Connerly, you got to put Connerly in there somewhere. Oh yeah, he's probably actually <laughs> number three or four. Yeah, Eli's number one, Chaz number two. But after that, that's where the yeah. debate starts. Yep. <sighs> Shea Patterson to the Chiefs. It's just too perfect. It's too perfect. It's too perfect. Yeah. It's the way he left. If he doesn't leave that way. No one says anything like this. Ole Miss fans aren't petty about it. Nobody hates Van Jefferson. Yeah. Van got drafted in the second round by the uh, Ole Miss St. Louis Rams. I'm sorry. By the Los, Los Angeles Rams. That'll never make sense to me. Our, our, my buddy Dylan Edwards, they took Cam Akers and Van Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> He's a massive Rams and Ole Miss fan. Poor yeah. God. That's just the worst. <laughs> but no one, no one has a bad thing to say about Van. No one. Because no. he left. He didn't say anything. He didn't try to recruit anybody. Yes, he went on the Michigan visit with Shea, but then he went to Florida and did his own thing, and he was fine. He wasn't great. Good route runner. I don't know if he's going to stick. I thought a second-round pick of Van was a little bit of a reach. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be hard to meet that, but Cam Cam's going to be good. No one has really any beef with Cam if he doesn't do what he did at the Mississippi Capital Sports Hall of Fame. <laughs> And then commit to Florida State and do the whole Mississippi made whatever he said. I can't remember what it was. Like Mississippi <laughs> forever or some shit. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. But even Cam Akers, who Ole Miss fans could theoretically be upset with, they don't have the same feelings about Cam that they do about Shea. It's the way Shea left. Yep. I cannot believe in May of 2020 we're still talking about Shea. But it's just too perfect. It's the most Ole Miss thing to ever. <laughs> that Shea would sign with the Chiefs after Jordan. Oh, God. There are going to be so many invested Ole Miss fans in the Kansas City Chiefs backup race. Oh, man. And there's nothing worse outside of Mississippi State Twitter than Michigan Twitter. Yeah, I could argue Tennessee, but I'm fine with that. I don't even care. I don't even pay attention to Tennessee Twitter. Michigan Twitter is only rivaled by Mississippi State Twitter, which is, let's be honest, the worst. I can't believe how many Mississippi State fans listen to this podcast. 
I had yeah. one Mississippi State fan ask me, ask not me, but I was tagged in his question to C.J. Johnson after last week's podcast, basically saying, "Why are you, sh- you know, pooping all over Hugh Freeze?" And my question was, "Why do you care? <laughs> Why are you listening to that? Nothing to do with Mississippi." Oh wait, it's because y'all are obsessed with C.J. Just like you say, Ole Miss fans are obsessed with a Chris Jones or a Leo or whatever. Y'all are still obsessed with C.J. Johnson. It goes both ways. It's all so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Um, I wonder if Andy Reid has Facebook. No. <laughs> no. A lot of Hawaiian shirts, though, for Andy Reid. A lot. He doesn't, need, he doesn't need to get Facebook. Which of the Ole Miss undrafted free agents actually Benito. sticks? Who becomes Mike Hilton? Uh, ooh, it's Benito or Scotty for me. I think Scotty can make, make a roster and do some different things. Um, I don't know. Benito probably should have been drafted. So that one wouldn't shock me either. Scotty, I think has the best path. Yeah. I think Scotty, what he does well translates to the NFL. So if you made me bet on one guy of those undrafted free agents that sticks and has a good productive career, it's Scotty. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I just think it's harder for a Benito Jones at an interior defensive line position to stick. Yeah. Scotty. No, I'm, I'm Especially in Houston. Who's who's he really competing against? Lamar Miller? Yeah. David Johnson? Is Carlos Hot Hot still on that roster? No. No? Okay. No. Man, you know nothing about the NFL, do you? Carlos Hot was on the roster last year. Don't come at me like that. Yeah, he went to the Jags, though. Okay, well. I, I know, actually know now a good bit of, yeah, about the Texans because I'm a huge Deshaun Watson fan. Of course you are because you're a fantasy football player. <laughs> All right, so what's the most important thing happening in Ole sports this week? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> basketball still doing some recruiting. Romello White, potentially? Yeah, okay, sure. Jeez, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the only thing that's going on is basketball recruiting. Are you paying attention to the JT Daniels sweepstakes? Um, not as much because of the one-time transfer rule not being implemented. Is he an improvement? Does Stephen Godfrey ask? So I'll ask you, is he an improvement over what you have on the roster? Yes. Yeah. He didn't think yeah. so. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I look, Stephen has forgotten more football than I'll ever know. I just, I don't necessarily. Yeah. I love my buddy, but chill out. I don't necessarily like either quarterback on the roster right now. Ben Ingram and or Kel Baker coming up on Thursday. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk again. Absolutely. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply.